Welcome to the Be Free RE podcast, where you learn how to make your job optional. I'm your host, John, who's just getting started on his journey. But in the last year, I moved across the country, bought four apartments, make money as a landlord, no longer pay rent, and I have my first child. I'm joined by your co-host and my guide, Tony Angotti, who in five years quit his job and now manages over 80 units through a combination of house hacks, flips, and partnerships. So with that, let's jump into how you can do less of what you have to do and more of what you want to do. All right. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Be Free RE podcast slash YouTube show hmm. with um, your host, John, with the one and only Antonio Angotti. What's up, man? They thought you were going to say Banderas there. <laughs> and now Banderas. they are sorely disappointed. Yeah, you're, you have a Zora mustache on the way, though. <laughs> yeah, but much less attractive. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Am I so um, today, Uh No. <laughs> I know you're not. No, uh, you're like as far from that as could be. <laughs> um, anyway uh today we're gonna switch up a little bit this isn't gonna be just landlord focused we're gonna talk more about like the financial independence the fi aspect of this because i think that for me and for most of the investors that i identify with and that i'm like friends with most people aren't necessarily trying to like strike it ludicrously rich or -hmm. like buy a yacht or buy the (laughs) yankees or by like whatever they're just trying to hit a point where their investments pay for their basic lifestyle financial Mm -hmm. independence by um you know there's the retire early part of that too i don't like to focus on that that much because i feel like the point of financial independence is to be able to pursue whatever you're passionate about at the time like mm-hmm. to give you that flexibility where the money doesn't matter. Maybe what you're passionate about doesn't make money. So you still could, you know, maybe it's like coaching a youth sports team or whatever. You still have the flexibility and the freedom to do that. Um, it's not so much about the, like, get the money and sit on your butt and sit my ties on the beach and whatever. If that's your dream, that's what you're passionate about. Then by all means, that's awesome. Like, I hope, that you find it and then maybe the retire early part of it is your thing but i think that the retire side of it has like a perhaps negative connotation because retire infers like awaiting death <laughs> i don't i don't know how else to put it so i always just focus on the five part financial independence and then not really truly be retired right so yeah, I'm in the same boat. Yeah. I think you want to retire to something, regardless of when you retire, actually. Yeah. So it's um I read a book years ago about just general motivation. And it's like you can think of it as almost like two magnets, right? <clears throat> On one hand, you can have a magnet behind you that's like pushing you away from something. Like you're motivated just to get out of whatever it is you're doing. Yeah, But think of that magnet as like weaker. It's only going to push you so far. If you have something that you're being pulled towards, then that's something that you're like working towards that you'll still pursue that will still provide you fulfillment 
and purpose and meaning and all of those fluffy things that millennials like. <laughs> um, I'm a millennial, so you know. As am I. Yep. Um, and the, the other first. thing too, why I focus on the financial independence is that if you're an unhappy person, like at your core, if you're not fulfilled, just the fact that you have money taken care of isn't going to fix it for you. Like if all you're doing is saying like, well, all I hate is my job. I'm unhappy because my job sucks. And it's like, that's probably not the sole reason why you're unhappy in your life. Mm. And that gets way deeper that we yeah. can't even do on this podcast. Yeah. The point is like, like you said, you want to be working towards being able to do something, something to retire for rather than just quitting your day job. Because yeah. if you have no other plan, your life's not going to get better. It's just going to be still purposeless. Fulfilling yeah. less, so. I mean, and this isn't entirely speculative, right? So there's, there's Reddit communities where I think this topic is probably most discussed, uh, FIRE or lean fire. And typically when you see people do the financial independence, retire early and they're unhappy, uh, most of them are lonely. They feel they lack purpose. You know, they worked very hard for this and now, you know, there's only so much video games they can play and they're wondering, yeah. you know, well, what should I do? I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm depressed. You know, lots of isolation, particularly in the COVID times right now. So it's anyway. a, weird, a weird thing, because I think about it almost like professional athletes, for instance, like mm -hmm. whenever you're pursuing financial independence or fire or whatever, it's like this consuming can become this single minded focus. Like, yeah, you get tied up. Everything that you do is to quit your job and then once it happens it's like now, now what yeah. same thing with like athletes like lebron james for instance or a professional athlete or somebody like that that their whole life they've been very good at one thing they mm -hmm. have designed their whole life at excelling at that one thing but then at some point hopefully very young in their age hopefully 40 whatever is young for them it just goes away and now they got to figure out what to fill their time with and a lot of them that's why they get into trouble after they retire there's nothing else to fuel yeah. them so paul pierce sure uh, yeah but that's yeah, I mean, uh but I, we, yeah go ahead a guy i went to i grew up with um he was extremely competitive in swimming and became a navy seal and now he's uh, like leaving that community and he's going you know through something quite similar right where you you know, this is one thing, you know, it's a lot of your relationships and social worth are tied up in your job and you have to kind of retire all, you know, you, you sort of have to, uh, you know, separate your identity from that and start over. And that, that, that can be a challenge. And my, my father's retired, my mother, you know, my family's retiring and I'm seeing the same thing where mm -hmm. even though they quote unquote retire, they all still do what they used to do just less. Yeah. But anyway, I think that's a good segue into maybe some of our FI stuff, how we, I think you and I have slightly different approaches to affording FI or yeah. financing our FI plan. And we could probably talk about that a little bit as well as maybe what, like, what, what would a good FI situation look like? Something like that. So, right. So we'll, um, might make sense first is if we just talk about like what we're doing to reach it generally. 
Yeah. And then yeah. since it's, since obviously we have a real estate show, we'll focus on like how real estate focus more on like how real estate is involved in that. Sure. Um, okay. So I'll start, I guess, basically I do, um, as we talk about, like I have over a hundred units, um, I'm a realtor and I do like, I have a property management, small time property management company. I only do it for real estate customers. So the vast majority of my pursuit of financial independence is basically just getting these three businesses to be kind of, um, churning without Mm -hmm. my input. Um, financially the buildings spit off enough money right now to where like my day to day is more than supported for mm-hmm. my like basic level of income. So I would technically be financially independent on real estate, but I don't view it fully that way because I still have to put in too much energy in my opinion to be like truly fi because mm-hmm. I'm still involved in the day to day. But most of mine is getting those businesses to be operating without a ton of input from me. So having people in place, I mean, um, on my real estate holdings, we have a property manager on staff. We have a handyman on staff. And then eventually we'll have a third admin person on staff too, when we hit enough income to support those three people. At that point, the building will be large or the, the business will be largely self-sufficient. I don't describe it as like a passive real estate portfolio it's very much a business and the business is rental properties Mm -hmm. so once that business is going that will be the bulk of my financial independence type money i also have my realtor business and i have a team so i have um i have four buyers agents and one administrator at this point that's a little bit more of a five business because most of my business works through my team members So they do a lot of the legwork and then I do mostly work from my computer, from my phone, consultations, uh, questions, finding customers, that sort of thing. And then eventually even a lot of the marketing stuff is getting pushed onto the admin. So a lot of the active lead generation type stuff Mm -hmm. is getting pushed off. And once all that's together, again, more of a business owner, more of a FI type setup. And then thirdly, the property management Right now, I'm more involved than I will be in the future, but we're eventually just going to turn that into a similar business, the real estate portfolio, where it's like employees run it, and we just kind of oversee, like manage the people that are doing it. And to me, that is equally as fi as like, a, you know, it's not as passive as like a fully stock portfolio type thing that spits off money. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's exponential you know, my hour is worth way more because I don't have to spend as much time. We have people in place that we've trained that are taking care of it. So to me, that's kind of like a fire type business setup thing. Um, so that's kind of the bulk of what I'm doing. Probably 90% of my plan to be fi is tied up in real estate, either through sales or through property management slash investing type stuff. Um, but then 10% of it, I'm just doing your traditional retirement accounts. I, um, you know, I do like my Roth or my regular IRA, depending on where income falls for the year, if I'm allowed to do the, the Roth Mm -hmm. and everything. Um, and then we, I also started doing, I keep a very small percentage of my stock portfolio this way. Like, um, I do about 
I guess it's not small, depends on your definition of small, but about 10% of my stock holdings, I do a little bit more actively just for kind of fun. Yes. Like I, um, I read the book built to last. So I built kind of like an index of all of those companies and I bought, and just to track the book, just to see what happens, I buy like a certain amount of shares of each of those companies each year. And Hmm. then I, um, and then the winners, I double up the investment for the year and the losers just get the typical one. So it's like, I just track that, that index. And then the next thing for me for active investing is like, I read this book called the the little book that still beats the market. And I'm just going to take like uh, 5% or so of my stock allocated money from my life and just test out that strategy and just see if it works. But I will say that anything active that I do is just, um, it's money that I do not care absolutely if it goes to zero. Yeah. Like I can lose it. It's more, I'm a scientist by training. So I like the experiment. I like testing out the other person's hypothesis. And it's like, <laughs> to me, that's fun. So it's better than betting on sports, I guess. I'm just betting on something that can actually make money <laughs> um, consistently. Yeah. And There's then, no rake anyway. Yeah. Yep. And then all of the other money everything that goes to retirement buckets and then anything in excess that's not um, retirement account protected, those are just in straight zero fee index funds. So I do the, um, the Fidelity. Fidelity has uh, like zero fee index funds. I divide it up equally between, they have four of them. There's one that is total market. There's one that is, I think, large cap. There's one that's um, international. And then one that I think is F&P or S&P 500. So there's like four zero fee ones. And to do those, you just have to deal with a sales call three or four times a year from Fidelity trying to sell you managed funds. And yeah. You just decline. Yeah. So cool. That's what I do. That's the bulk of it. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess on, on uh, my side, so my wife and I have our finances commingled now and I guess real estate uh, fits in slightly more in like a defensive strategy for us. So we are, we're mostly kind of your uninteresting, like 401k max it out aggressively. Um, and kind of the, the simple heuristic is roughly every $300,000 of uh, assets you get into an equity account, you can count on that throwing off a thousand dollars a month for you. Right. So if you need $3,000 a month, you need 900,000 bucks, something like that. Right. So $3,000 a month. Uh, <laughs> I think you said if you need $300,000 a month, uh, you need $900,000. Uh, oh, sorry. sorry. You, you got some crazy stock advisor. Let me, let me say that again. If you have $900,000, uh, you can expect a, a safe withdrawal rate of uh, 3000 a month. So, uh, and that's just like, four percent you know seven percent return not financial planners right just straight four percent rule you can find that on financial independence blogs yes um so anyway uh so we are heavily slanted towards that i uh i don't really have like a great percentage of our wealth um in terms of this that or the other and the reason for that is real estate for us really it, it does two things one we use it as kind of this shield we use it as a housing cost shield. So your three biz- biggest expenses are uh, your house, your car, and your food. 
um, maybe healthcare depending on where you live and how you live. But anyway, for us, it's those three. So, you know, we essentially use house hacks to drive our housing costs down to uh, like a thousand dollars less than what it would be. So for us, it's like 200 to $300 a month with the house hacks, right? And then uh, we've kind of picked up the skill where we buy a, like, I don't wanna say like a, you know, kind of a banged up property. A and make it, place. Yeah, make it less banged up. And that sticks 40 or $50,000 in our pocket every year, basically. So it's another way to stack on some income earning potential. It's kind of become like this interesting side hustle for me because um, I do a lot of the work myself. Uh, we're starting to contract more of it out. But anyway, so there, there's kind of this offensive defensive side of the business. Um, and then we keep the uh, properties when we're done with them and we turn them into rentals, which then uh, uh, becomes income because my wife is a property manager. So we sort of recognize that as active, but that has become, you know, she left her much more high paying job uh, when we had a daughter and she sort of took on that responsibility and that, you know, that generates, uh, you know, income for us as well. So real estate for us, you know, we're, you know, I, I can't imagine a future where we have a hundred units, but um, I also can't imagine a future where we're not either running a house hack actively or uh, like moving into a property where we think that we can force appreciate $50,000 into it somehow. So even the one that eventually you kind of settle down into will still probably be like a improvable property you'd say. I would think so. I mean, um, and even if I'm like settling into a house, I might still be buying a house like every, maybe it's every three years or four years and I'm doing this, right? And yeah. it, it becomes part of my income generating strategy. And I, I guess just to get into numbers a little bit for us, like I have no... I have no ambition to RE, uh, like on the FIRE. I, you know, it, it sounds unappealing to me. It reads as unappealing to me from other people that have approached Retire it early. Yeah. I have no interest in retiring. I, I want to be a role model for my kids and I'm just happier when I'm actually slightly stressed out. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, we basically the, the flip side to that math is if you can make a thousand dollars a month, it's like adding, $300,000 to your net worth. So, you know, if I yeah. can base, you know, if I can make $50,000, you know, every two years, you know, let's just make the math super simple, right? Let's just say that's $24,000 a year. So boom, if I, if I just flip and well, let's not say flip, but well, let's say flip to keep it simple. But anyway, if I can flip a house every two years and put 50,000 bucks in my pocket, I just added $300,000 to our net yeah. worth. So, you know, I kind of think of real estate as boom. Yeah, kind of. And it's just yeah. a, it's a, I mean, like, uh, I can do that when I want on my own boss, you know, there's obviously time constraints and stuff associated with that. But from a financial independence standpoint, uh, provides a lot of flexibility there. So one, it lowers our housing costs the way we implement it now Two, maybe it's a future, like, I don't want to call it an employment opportunity, but right, it's like a, uh, this, this concept of coast fire where you know, you actually yeah. don't have enough money not to make any money, but you're doing this and you're, you can basically, you know, step into spending more time how you want earlier than you would have been able to, you know, sometimes people call this like barista fire where you work at Starbucks and you get healthcare yeah. through them kind of a thing. 
I think that would not be a great strategy for me personally, but you know, that that's the idea, right? Is you just want to have some kind of income earning wealth generating opportunity uh, that you own. So my, my wife has a, a business basically that she runs now and she's growing and maybe that'll take off. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, that's, that's kind of how it all dovetails in for us. Uh, yeah. I'm, and that kind of touches on that kind of touches on like the second subject too, which is how real estate um, factors into factors into financial independence. And I talked more about just my like aggressive ways, but I'm kind of similar in that um, my wife and I house hack. So that reduces our living expense to be super cheap. I also don't, I actually don't have any debt not related to real estate. So like I have a car that's paid off. I, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I don't take on credit card debt. I don't do anything like that. So really on the expense side, if I really wanted to cut it down, I could live on such a low amount of money every month that that really provides you like the headspace, the confidence to be able to actually take this on because you know that no matter what happens, your basic is pretty low. So the lower your basic is, the basically the less money you need to save up, the faster you can achieve this, um, which is, you know, something on the defensive side to think about. Um, right. But the other thing I think I, I literally, I just thought of this while we were talking is I mentioned earlier that a lot of people, the reason why I don't like the RE part of it is because then it's like a lot of people, when they focus on financial independence, one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast and one of the reasons why I don't, I, I love the community that's out there, but one thing I don't like about it is that it's almost single-handedly comprised of people that are looking at index funds and stock holdings as like their only vehicle mm-hmm. to financial independence. There is a crowd that looks at real estate, but I almost feel like a lot of the, the content out there for real estate is all focused on like, how do I get rich in real yeah, estate? How to get a private jet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the content of financial independence is like, just save 80% of your income, 60% of your income, like take it yeah. in yeah, and yeah. like invest it in index funds and just do that. And that's all you need to do. And then in 15 years, you're done. And it's like, that's great. Both of those things are fine, but I almost feel like if you want to financially like fire fast, like real estate is possibly the most active way. It's definitely, I think, the hardest, most stressful way, other than maybe make a startup or something crazy. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know, but but uh, but it's definitely can be accelerated faster. My point is that the other thing too, is we talked about how like, if you just go that index fund route, when you finally hit financial independence, it's like, you quit your job. Now, what do you do? Like, I don't know, sit around, you got to find your meaning, but it's like, when you have the real estate stuff, it's not truly passive, which in some ways I guess could be a bummer for some people, Right. but it almost gives you something that you could be doing. Like there's a guy, um, it's a really old bigger pockets episode, but they talked about the guy who like has, I think he had 50 units or something. 
and he still does all the repairs in them. And they said like, well, doesn't that stress you out? Like, why do you, why do you still do that? And he's like, well, man, you know, God I don't got anything else to do. <laughs> so he's like, I just go in and he's like, gives me somebody to talk to. I like stay busy my whole day. It's like, um, <laughs> I don't know. So there's that, there's that part of it. It's that proverb about the fisherman where he goes out and fishes every morning and he make catches really good fish. The wall street guy says, you know, this is great. We're going to build you a fleet. We're going to take your business public. You're going to make so much money. And once you have all that money, what are you going to do every day? And he's like, well, I'm going to go out, catch some fish, bring them back and have dinner. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So really in some ways, real estate, I guess, kind of bakes in like a busy work, almost like something to keep you, keep you going. But if you do it right, it doesn't need to be so busy that it prevents you from um, like, you know, still doing something else that you want to do. Um, you could hire a property manager, you could hire employees, you could do whatever, outsource a lot of it. And that takes a lot of the day-to-day -day off of your plate. So it might only be a couple hours a week or a month, which would be glorious. And then... Um, <laughs> The other thing too about the real estate stuff, like I said, is that I feel like it can be a lot faster. Yeah, I deeply you know? agree with that. The people I know that have fired the fastest basically like bought in some rapidly appreciating market, rented rooms out, you know, at a house they bought or did Just an Airbnb made it thing. Happen. Yeah, and they did it in like four or five years. And yeah, I'm not I saying mean, that as get rich I quick mean, scheme. I did five and or five in under 10 years, basically. Yeah. Um, the only difference for me is we don't we don't take the money from the portfolio it just gets reinvested into the business so like i still have to work but if i wanted to i could just sit on my butt i guess and not grow yeah. um yeah but real estate like like you just said everybody i know that did fire fast like they're all maybe that's just what do they call it? Uh, confirmation bias. Maybe it's just confirmation bias, but I don't, I don't think so. Everybody I know that does it on stocks is like 10 years minimum. Yeah. So, I mean, I, uh, yeah, I think, uh, not that that's bad or good. It just is. It's a different. Yeah. I mean, there's bad things to doing things quickly too. Like you suggested, right. You have less time to discover your interests, but I don't know. I think at a high level, like the bit to me, the real benefit of the real estate is it plays on both sides, right? Like you're, you're never going to lower your cost of living because you hold index funds, right? Yeah. You can actively manage your cost of living. Like it, you know, if you, you know, part of the fire stuff is usually you live in some low cost of living area and you do this stuff, but if you want to live in a high cost of living area and you want to figure out how to retire on index funds, I think it really behooves you to learn some of this real estate stuff so that you can, buy sure. what real estate people would call a value add property what you and i might call a dumpy property <laughs> with potential right and that yeah. that's a that's a skill and it'll i mean it, it helps it helps you lower your costs and like i mean the way to think about something is if you're buying something all the time you need to multiply that by 25 and that's how many index fund dollars you need to have to pay that thing off right yeah. so you know if you can lower your housing expense by a number you leverage that by 25 every month or whatever 
you know, and that's, that's how you get to that, or I guess it's every year. But anyway, the, po- the point is basically all the same. You get this 25 X leverage on how many, uh, investment better than dollars. Grant Cardone. No 10 yeah. X here. 25 X. Oh man. Let's skip um, that guy. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's one. The other thing that's good about real estate that I like why I focused on it is because, um, it's kind of a hedge against Inflation. everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, and, and there's the control aspect of it too. Yes, I agree. With so that like you don't control the value of the property, really. That's controlled by the market, but you do control a lot of how it performs. Um, mm-hmm. There is a scenario in which rents could dramatically go down, but historically rents don't just like drop out. I mean, they'll go down, but they're not going to like plummet gigantically like a house value might. Um, right. So there's that control aspect of it. The other thing, like you'll notice that neither of us talked about like cryptocurrency or anything um, on a personal level. I just don't do it because I don't, I'm lazy and I don't feel like learning about it. I'm like, I already put my eggs in the real estate packet basket and I don't really feel like learning about cryptocurrency. And I have friends who will say like, well, what happens if cryptocurrency becomes the new form of payment for things. And I'm like, well, then I will just make my rent in Bitcoin. So I don't really care. Um, Another topic of the day that comes up is like, you know, what happens if minimum wage goes up and all the costs of your things increase? And I'm like, well, if minimum wage goes up, people are still people. They're still going to spend 30% of their income on housing. So rent is gonna go up yeah so i don't really care what happens with minimum wage and whatnot um in fact it might even be a good thing because when you have a 30-year mortgage or even a fixed like a adjustable that has a long-term fixed or like a set amount of increase your payment doesn't change dramatically but if their incomes go up that much well your rent goes up pretty dramatically most likely um, inflation, you mentioned inflation, like same thing with what I'm talking about, kind of just like, you know, if the numerical value is changes, it doesn't really matter because people are still spending roughly the same amount of money of their income because people never learn. And especially people in America spend every penny that they earn on, uh, on average. Mm-hmm. And I don't foresee that changing. Um, and then what else am I missing with that concept? Uh, there's a whole bunch of things with that, just being insulated. That's nice. You're not at the whimsy of someone else, like the stock market, like some economist farts too loud. And now the economy drops 5%. (laughs) Like, I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, in general, you're, you, you have a lot more control. I mean, real estate is one of the best hedges against inflation, just like statistically. I think it tracks like 93% or something. You know, commodities are the only thing that are better. So you can buy some pork belly contracts or whatever if you're looking for a better hedge. But yeah, I mean, nice. and, and it's it's real value, right? It's not like gold where it's like, well, this is worth something because this is what this other person pays for it. It's like, there's a rent, you know, there's there's a cash flow perspective you can do. It's not. 100%. There's a utility to the thing that you own. Yeah. Yes. It has utility value. That's exactly right. So 
yeah. And I mean, from my side, like we own cryptocurrency. I, I was lucky is the word I would use to buy it a long time ago. I just read the right thing and I thought it was interesting. I'm a nerd, but like, you know, it's not a, it's not an investment strategy, right? It's no more an investment strategy than what you described as your stock picky stuff, right? It's like, yeah. oh, I think this might be interesting. I'm going to put a de minimis, de minimis amount of capital in it. 1% of my net worth or whatever. And Just use your big kid words. Yeah. Uh, an amount of money that if it went to zero, I wouldn't cry or have to explain to my wife. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and if it goes up, if it moons, it moons, right? As the crypto kids would to say. The moon. But if it doesn't, then so be it. And, yeah. You know. um, and the last thing I'll note, myself that i can think of just you know right now is that um it's sometimes people talk about real estate as a negative because it's illiquid like you can't just withdraw it like you can't just go to the bank and take it out um you can obviously sell it or you can refinance it but that takes time and money yeah and money and one of the good things though about that is that it's almost an investment that protects you from your own emotions. Stupidity. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't like read something or see something and just turn around and be like, I'm getting rid of this. Um, Cause yes. even if you go to sell it, you could sell it the next day, but you're still not closing for 30 to 60 days, at least in Pittsburgh, like maybe in some markets you can close in a week, but you know, even a week is enough time that if you really made a stupid emotional decision, you should be able to be like, look, I'm, I'm out on my it." but it's just such a pain to get yourself out of that. It's like, in some ways it, you know, it helps your long-term outlook because if you look at almost anybody that studies investing, like being hands-off, unless you're some kind of very well-trained professional is almost the best strategy for everyone. It's just to like set it and forget it almost just like, let it grow. Let, let the eighth wonder of the world do its work. Let the compound interest just keep, keep growing. Yeah. And you know, that's. Yeah. I guess the last point I would make too, is like just comparing like stock investments to, um, real estate uh you 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 know you have your 401ks or whatever iras where you can tax shelter stuff maybe so you know you have to think about tax shelter but outside of that no one you're not going to go to some bank and you're going to say hey i just read this book and i built my own index will you lend me 75 percent of the money i would invest (laughs) yeah so that i can go buy my index they're not going to say like oh well that's that's really interesting we've heard that books are great but if you're like hey i <laughs> just want is fundamental yeah i just want to own this house will you let me 75 percent of what you know other people tell me it's worth they'll <laughs> say absolutely we would that's love great. to do that and that is you know that's not something to shake a stick at i mean you know the, the leverage aspect of real estate investing is quite powerful and, uh, you know, you, you can buy stocks on margin or whatever, but that that's advanced boy play, you know, but like, you know, anybody uh, can that's walk into a bank. for them people with diamond hands. Yeah, it's not even a diamond hands thing. You need It, it takes money to borrow money and that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's like, once you have a million bucks, then you can start making those moves. But 
you know, like, yeah, I mean, you can be two or three years out of school, you know, just have a decent, you know, making $40,000 and you've saved some, you know, and you show up and you have whatever, you know, $10,000 and you can buy a house, you know, with a loan, you know, it's, uh, you know, and then you can cut, cut your living expense. And then, you know, the, there's all these compounding effects to buying a house with a loan. That's a house hack that lowers your cost of living that then appreciates. I mean, that, that, that kind of trifecta is just has been in my personal life has been very powerful, you know, and, and I'm a huge believer in the stock market, but like there, you'd be hard pressed to, you know, the, my biggest regret with real estate investing so far has been that I didn't do it sooner. And that's always a very positive indicator, you know? So, yeah. So there we go. All right. Well, there's a primer on fi and real estate maybe we'll have more episodes about this in the future yeah once we do a little more fi stuff we'll probably talk about it more from the first person experience all right so where can they find out more about us all right well we are at be free on instagram we're kind of all crickets over there though but anyway you can call in with your questions and we will answer them about fi or real estate or whatever really and uh, that is 412-212-8366 and then tony is really all over the internets with his many businesses so he can tell you how to how to reach him there basically at 412 agent on instagram you can find me as tony or anthony and Gotti on almost every main social media platform and then um our youtube which these videos are now posted to one day i'll learn how to do like fancy little dancing gnomes that go on the screen like one just track my finger like this all See right. if you're I watching like the video you'd find that um, but you can find that on just Anthony and Gotti. But if you follow me on the social, you'll, uh, you know, I'll post the links to the shows and you can watch them there. So. All right. Perfect. And if you enjoyed this episode, give it a like or a subscribe. We appreciate it. And uh, thanks so much. Zip. Zip. <laughs>